Hi, welcome to Stammer Stories. My name is William Levin and I'm your host and founder of this podcast. In this podcast, we talk about stammering from all perspectives. I'll be talking to people who stammer, people who work in the stammering field, and people who have a general interest in the topic. And then today's episode is a rather special episode. Well, for me it is, because if you don't know, so I got my job at Pulses through Multiverse Apprenticeships, and I was doing a business admin apprenticeship, and when you do the apprenticeship, you get a coach assigned to you who helps with your coursework. And let's just say, this person definitely helped me with my coursework, Matty, and I possibly messaged her a bit while I was like, please help me, please help me. But I'm drawn by Neda, who will tell us her title, because when I knew her, she was a coach, but now she's basically a, a, a big boss now, which is scary to me. So Neda, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Will. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so obviously my name is Neda. I was, I had the absolute pleasure of being your coach when you were on the um, Multiverse Apprenticeship doing your business associate qualification. My role has changed a little bit differently since then. I obviously look after now um, an incredible team of coaches. So I look after our data programs at Multiverse. And that is about 85 coaches. Um, and we've got about 4,000 apprentices on program right now. So um, it's great that, that you know, you and I had our, our kind of time together um, as coach and apprentice. And now, you know, through the, the work we did together, it kind of inspired me to go and do that for 4,000 other apprentices. <laughs> oh, thank you. And when showed the scale of Multiverse, I, I was there when it was quite hot. And when I first came to Multiverse, they were in, in the second office, which, which I think was around 30 people. And then I then went to their second office, which was a, they had a whole floor of a, we were moving stuff up and I thought, oh, well, we've grown massive. And now they're nearly outgrowing their five-story office. That's just the scale. What number employee were you at Multiver? Oh my gosh. Um, I think I was actually even number 50, but when I had joined, like that, that was the number that I was given. But um, I think there were only 20 to 30 people really when I had joined. So very small and obviously now it's over 600 and as you said we completely are outgrowing our big five-story office um so yeah it's very exciting times ahead <laughs> oh. well we'll talk about more first in more detail because we'll talk about our experiences of working together and it's really interesting because i've actually done one multiverse episode already which was a jack keeper and it's into miller simpson which was the community aspect which we'll also talk about me taking part in the community but it's going to be interesting like, hearing your perspective from like, because you have more one on one, but also you saw me more in like the working environment compared to like they would have done in like planning events and stuff. So I'm just going to start to the point. You don't have a stammer, but I'd love to know what you know about the topic. Yeah, it's a great question, Will. I think you've taught me quite a lot about them. And, um, and I've had other apprentices who would have had a stammer um you know hearing their different journeys going through kind of speech therapy um and and i think what i know about him is everyone i've met with a stammer is incredibly brave um and i appreciate the journey of of kind of being very comfortable in your own skin and embracing speech um so that's that's the extent to which i know and much of which i've learned from our time working together 
Amazing. And it is fascinating how you say that because one of the things that I've spoken to someone is that having a stomach had to feel quite confident of a person who you're speaking to because it's sort of, sort of that reassurance of knowing because we always have that have that fear if someone will react to our stomach. And it's always key to build that relationships with people who don't have a stomach or you don't know if they've had experience with someone with a stomach before. Yeah. And I remember telling Paige, my 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 director, that in the first hour of me getting into the office, saying, I do have a stammer, nothing's wrong with my voice, it's just about how I talk. And I told Jen, who was my first coach, that I had a stammer straight away. But also, one of the first, uh, 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 so I'm not sure if you know, it's when Jen was doing the handover between you and 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 Jen, the first thing I said was, does she know about my stammer? Does she know about my dyslexia? Does she know about this? She was like, she knows everything. I was like, okay, that's good. And had you, what, when you learn, learn about like your new different apprentices, what sort of, do you sort of get told by, who sort of tells you if they have any like, a, a, like additional needs? Yeah, uh, usually the apprentice. Um, and I think that's something you did very well, Will, is you, you know, you were very comfortable sharing that. And that's an important thing to do because it means that you can then be quite clear on the support that you need to be successful. Um, I remember there was a question that, that you put into our what kind of questions list in my preparation around what I have known. And the thing is, you know, you told me um, and you you kind of told Jen to tell me and I knew all of this coming into it but funny enough um, I think there's a kind of stigma around whether or not that has to do with anyone's capability yeah. and your performance on the program and our kind of coaching sessions and how we made good use of them what we achieved in those times I wouldn't say that your stammer uh, or your dyslexia ever got in the way of you doing that and so it's not at all connected to to capability um in fact being able to overcome it or at least i saw it with you because you had to prepare for a presentation and for an interview it's almost an extra kind of challenge if, if you yeah. think about it but for you it was like it made you even that more prepared because you spent so much time thinking about the narrative and how you were going to communicate your points across. Um, so yeah, it had no impact at all on your capability. If anything, it, you you spent even more time preparing and making sure you'd really thought about how you want to get your story across. So it was great to see. Wow. I See, I've never really thought, thought about it from that perspective, but also, did you ever notice me? So I would submit you calls for, and then you would just slightly see the odd words change and just think, huh, that word looks different. Did you ever notice that? Because I, I know I've done it multiple times where I, where I submitted a piece of calls that I knew that I'd be talking about, submitted it, and, and I would just change one word to a stammer friendly word. And like, so I was curious to see if you ever realized that you know, like, something looks different in this paragraph, but I can't work out what it is. Did you, did you ever no, notice me doing that? Funny enough, I never noticed it because I wasn't really, I, I wasn't looking too much for it. But what I do remember is that sometimes you would, your your first drafts were always all the thoughts in your mind yeah. <laughs> on one piece of paper. But that was a really good starting point because then I could be like, yeah, I get what you're trying to say here, but 
how are you going to present that when you have limited time? And I think that forced you to then be really selective about yeah. the words you were going to choose and the narrative that you were going to go with. Um, again, I mean, yeah, in the initial stage, if you will, we spent more time. But if you think about actually it saved you time in the long term because you'd already had a chance to think of everything that you want to get across and you put it all there on paper and then we refined it from there but i never i, I never would have known if you changed the word you know i, I wouldn't um, have noticed that and it, if jen hadn't told you or if i hadn't told you do you think you would have picked it up my stomach do you think you would have picked it up and all or, or, or do you think you, you, you would have asked about it I don't think I would have asked about it or picked it yeah. up. I, I, you know, I, I would ask all my apprentices the same thing, which is how can I best support you? And is there anything that I can do? And I feel like if you didn't tell me, um, I would have still supported you to the best of my ability. But the fact that you did tell me meant I could support you even better. And that's yeah. kind of what I mean about that first piece around bravery. It's sometimes hard to admit the things that that you know we feel stigmatized about or we could even go as far as to say we feel embarrassed about but in your case the fact that you owned it gave me confidence too to support you because if you were being kind of um you know if you if you weren't being clear about it and i wasn't clear on how to support then i actually think that would have been quite disastrous it was the yeah. fact that you were very clear and you also were clear with what you needed for me, and it meant that I could show up as you needed in those times. Yeah, and then I think because like universe, like going into the job world, like the stammer is a very big like thing because you're sort of scared of like how the big one working world will, you don't know how your team react, or like you don't know in job interviews, like I did guest he was from Saudi Arabia, and like her manager would hide her from. For meetings with clients and, and like she they they would disadvance her within the workplace because they're afraid about her stammer ruining their their show in front of the clients and like they wouldn't so if she had a client work they would present it for her rather mm -hmm. than letting her to the speaking and then she left because they tried to do a hr dis disciplinary against her stammer and that's that's not Okay, and I think that confidence, and I think there are lots of people, because my work as a ambassador with Action Seven Children, which is helping people from education going into the workplace, is sort of afraid, and I think some people may be thinking, oh, wait, if I'm doing my job, then I'm going to have to be talking to someone else whilst doing my coursework. The thing with, with, that, with your coach is that you build that personal bond, like you build that connection, but also you can voice any opinions to them if you're having problems at work, who will be helpful, be able to help you and push it to your team or but just have that conversation there. Because I think the biggest thing is people are sort of afraid to say it because they fear the worst. And I think some people would be like, why would I need to tell my coach about my about my stammer? You may not have any like any like presentations as such, but you may notice in like you your big core sessions that you may not be speaking out as much when you know the answers to like the sessions or like you may not be con contributing as much it will help you and i think just pushing yourself to be up front and just knowing that you can say it in like privacy so yeah. it is known 
because you can say it out loud or publicly, but you can also say it securely and confidentially so that person yeah. knows. But back to the topic, do you know anyone apart from me who stammers? I do. I, I had a couple of people in my life um, who had different journeys with it. And I think what's been really interesting to see is I feel like from when I was a kid um, to now as an adult, it's slowly destigmatizing a little bit, little by little. It's still not 100 percent there, but it's it's becoming more normalized than when I was growing up. Um, and I feel like that's a really positive move. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have any close connections to you now who's dumber? And like, I so would you say, you know, do you have anyone like in work, like family, friends who's dumber? Or, or like, it was fascinating how I had my publicist come on and she was saying, despite working with so many different types of people, I was the first person that was dumber she had ever come across despite working like yeah. PR, which I found fascinating because I, I would at least expect like, journalists or like presenters but she had never come across and that's how she picked up she was like actually this is really interesting because we don't know much about it and but I'd love to know for you because some people say oh I've got a brother who's down by the around it like some have a um like one I had a twin and both their both the twins had a stammer yeah. because they build that twin language so I had no idea about and then one stammer is more than the other but but Apparently, it's quite common in twins, which I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have a close loved one who has a stammer, um, but I would have never known. Um, and and obviously, it was something that it sounds like as a kid, they kind of ended up um, having interventions for. I think what's what's interesting is, like I said, it's changed a lot since I was a kid. And I guess my question for you, Will, is do you feel like it's improved you know, since you were a kid, um, what was kind of the the impressions around stammers, and do you feel like it's more well understood now? I think as a society now, we're more accepting of everyone's like uh, superpowers as I could. I think they like and now we see a disability rather than just as someone in a wheelchair. We see it as all aspects of the spectrum, and I think growing up, I never really had a role model someone who's done this apart from someone who was dead or old like there are some people who we look up to but no one to really relate to and I think growing up in school because I had like severe learning difficulties I can never really dream big because I was always like told you won't be able to do certain things and I think now and like I got told that life would be different I got told that I would only be as good as a barista in Starbucks like now we're here oh. like, and but I think the stigma overall stigma you still have that same message and it is better I think people are now more open to learning more about the subject but it's still when you think of someone who stammers you still think of like the king's speech or the chief from educating Yorkshire when they're all severe stammers you don't really think of someone with a severe like they're the mildest stammer like mine like you if someone says you they stammer you expect it to be really severe and not really open and it was really interesting how I was doing a radio for recording and the first in the first bit was a readout from Shakespeare about one of his characters had a stammer and when I say nothing's changed at all nothing's changed like literally the way how Shakespeare was describing it 
the stigma is still exactly the same as when Shakespeare wrote his time, but I think now I'm sort of bigger within like the community, like learning more. I found out more like how you can get it later in life or older in life or younger in life, but also just how I now pick up on it like more. Like I now pick up on it way more than someone else would because it's just I'm just way more aware of what Stanley sounds like. But also it's but I still have that fear of like going into a new place and like thinking, do I still need to mention my stammer or because that stigma is sort of there. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I suppose what's interesting is that you've kind of come through this journey where from the sounds of it, people have made some pretty crazy generalizations yeah. about where you're going to end up and what you're going to achieve. Um, it's really good to see that you you didn't listen to those messages or maybe you listened to them and went, actually, that is not going to be yeah. that because that's what you're saying but that's not what I'm saying and and your voice is the most important one about decisions in your life so I can't believe that there were people who were saying things like yeah. that and obviously you know not that we want to give them any time on the stage because that's not what they need but it's good to, that you you prove you've proven them wrong but also you've taken control of what you wanted your life to look like and that is exactly what your life is is looking like Thank you. So well, well done. Thank you. <laughs> and, I, and, and it was really interesting how, like, before I, I, I shied away from any, like, public speaking occasion, I mean, I went to the Michael Palin Centre before I did my apprenticeship. They taught me to, like, love myself, but still, if someone said, do you want to go and come and speak about yourself, I'd be like, uh. And I, I mean, I'll never forget my kickoff day in Positives with Jen. And, and, and then they were basically talking about what multiverse offer, and then they mentioned the three, three community aspect. For some reason, no normally would be like, oh, that sounds really good, but I'm not sure. We'll never forget the same to you, Jen, like, was like, you need just something more info about my community. And then she, she was like, I think I confused her massively because I, I don't think she was expecting me to like come forward about it. So I said, yeah. do you know what? This is actually a pretty good, like, challenge for me but also it will help me build my confidence with like the new people and I was talking to Paige about it and then when she said we wanted you to do it because it was helping your your apprenticeship but also we could see how much it meant to you but also it helped it changed you massively as a person around the office because you were dealing with so many different people and doing my community like going to be different events I'm not sure how I did some of those events. I still would feel nervous now, like talking, like going to a career <laughs> fair, like going up to someone and going, Would you like to find out more about apprenticeships? Do you, do you some of us done that? That is terrifying. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you think now how I thought, so I was a hacktivist, a OG, and then, that. and now, now a alumni. And I was doing a, doing the awards the alumni awards when I hosted it and when someone told me she was like that would be fun because I, I was going to like talk about alumni just she was like how do you fancy hosting it and I was like oh yeah I'll do it and it was and really <laughs> yeah and, and that week was a crazy week because it was that 
was the day before that I was, that I was in my TEDx rehearsal and two days before that I was doing my actual TEDx. And I think the anxiety from the TEDx and the nerves from that made me not nervous at all for the awards evening. And then, then I was saying to the team, I was like, this is really weird. I don't feel nervous. I am scared that I feel strangely calm in the situation. Yeah. But it was so interesting, like seeing so many like multiverse coaches are also so many apprentices' faces to like we've seen like through a community club. And I like, talking to some some coaches like, Oh, you're Will and you're like, Yeah, um, hi, and who are you? They're like, Oh, everyone in multiverse knows who you are. I was like, Oh yeah. and but I just loved you so sort of rolling into like our experiences together, like we had a lot of calls and like mm-hmm. Cementing calls about also like we had one on ones in like the office with a line manager and it it's really in, interesting like looking at how far we came like throughout the journey but also how different things would be now if we had done it or but also if my apprenticeship finished a few months later than it actually did and for the for the listeners my submission day. Was in the first lockdown, and it was also on on April Fools, and when I say say I did my best April Fools prank I've ever done, it was doing Nedda and and my boss saying that my laptop had crashed during the night and I had lost all my calls for it, and I've never seen Nedda give me the evils before it, it, until that morning. But I think it's just a bond, like you build that bond with the apprentice, don't you? Mm. How many apprentices at a time are you looking after? I had about 40 to 45 at a time, but I think altogether I ended up taking about 80 to 90 myself. Um, So, yeah, I I had a unique and special bond with each of you that looked very different one to the next. Yeah, and then I think that's a great thing about apprentices because I had had an experience where my coach wasn't that like like we work well together but not in certain aspects and mm-hmm. the multiverse apprenticeship program like you're very on board but also very understanding and like during the the epa oh so, so i'm never good like saying to you you were like do you need any additional there you go. it's very language like um so I remember talking about additional needs for my employment assessment and, and you were like, now's the time to mention it. But also we were having that discussion of actually, do I still need those additional needs because of how like how far like I had developed my like, college and my like, school mm. to the apprenticeship? And then I remember like talking to the exams team, like getting the admissions. And do you remember that they forgot that? CMI forgot to give me my extra time in one of my assessments. I do. And I then I still never get the time that. So I found out my results had come through because Neda had sent me five five messages on the site saying you need to check your messages. You need to check check your messages. <laughs> your results had come through. So I think it's just key, like building that confidence, like having confidence, knowing that everything is going to be okay. And I think it sort of brings back what we were saying before, how that no one judges you because of the way that you speak. They want to help you rather than judge you and, and sort of despise you. But as a manager, 
how have you come across like certain situations where like one of your team members have said that they need additional needs a lot they've said let's say I've got a stammer how what can you do to help how have you found that sort of going from like leading apprentices to like now leading a team of coaches where it's sort of, sort of you're still leading people but in a different yeah. way yeah that's a really good question Will and I think my approach has always been when I was a coach it was really important for me to understand the needs of my apprentices so that I could adapt and adjust um, as as they need I think what's really nice about being a manager and, and heading up a team my size is I can be really strategic and intentional about putting people like that into my team. So I'll give you an example. Obviously, you know, I I think all apprentices have a different story. They come from different backgrounds. Um, they have very different journeys. And I think it's important for me to have people in my team who can represent that and what that looks like. It's important that apprentices see a spread of people that they can learn from. And ideally in that spread, they find one or two people, let's say that they can also really relate to. So it's important for me to have that kind of representation in my team and diversity of all different kinds is something that we prioritize in my team, especially. Um, the, the ones that we're looking at for now in particular are around um, ethnic minority, uh, very much looking around gender because in data in particular, there's also quite a lot of underrepresentation of different genders. Um, and the final one is around neurodiversity or any sort of physical disability and ensuring that we have things in place that can support. So as I said, it's for me, the important thing is when I was, when I had my own apprentices, I wanted to be able to learn and understand so that they felt comfortable being open with me about those things as a leader i'm still bringing quite a lot of that but now i can be very strategic and instill that in my leaders as well so that that's something that they're always looking for um and and you know very much thinking about in terms of you know people look different people have different journeys how can we ensure that we're supporting everyone yeah uh but well, I think it is key from that perspective but whilst we're saying that I've had a few guests who's done our goals of their jobs have been like support workers and mm -hmm. it's really interesting how like people with a stammer just by coincidence go for lots of talking jobs like I'm not sure if but they're always afraid of how their stammer sort of affects it like you've got so many like public speakers or like mm -hmm. journalists who Stammer, like I was talking to Hayley Hassel, who's a BBC Five Live presenter, and like she has a stammer, and like, but she was saying how that when she does her own show, she can because she sort of words it herself, but when she reads out the headlines, that's when she may stammer because it's a pre worded thing. But now you said, like, coaches, everyone is different in their own way, and like, and like with apprentices, every apprentice has their own story. And I think, what advice would you have for? So let's say someone with a stammer who would like to be a coach or a leader in a team, but are sort of afraid that that their stammer may not be recipiated by their by their apprentices or like by their team. What advice would you have for that person? That's a good question. And I think it just very much also depends on 
comfort level with your stammer, right? So you're someone, Will, who knows that public speaking can be scary, but you still do it and you still feel very much in your element when you're presenting. And I think if there are, you know, I would invite anyone who feels similar to you to give a role like this a go. It is very people facing. There's a lot of conversations there, but there's a lovely kind of group presentation element to it and a very nice one-to-one element. Um, I think it really does come down to how do you feel like you're thriving? Because my observation is for for some people who've not yet gotten 100% comfortable, um, and this could be for any kind of learning disability or neurodiversity, but if you're not 100% comfortable with it, then it can impact how you, you know, show up at work or how you feel like you're thriving in your role. But I would say if anybody feels like, actually, this is my superpower and I really do love being around people and I love speaking to people and, and I've got a stammer. Okay. Um, then, then, you know, the, the roles that we do are great and they're worth a try. Um, any kind of role that involves interaction is, is worth a try. I think that's important to me. I like that you asked that question. Well, because the, Whilst a lot of people do go into those roles, some also go into some very back end roles because they don't want to speak. And if that's the only reason why, like, of course, if someone wants to go into a role that's back end because that's what they want to do, then perfect. But if they're going into back end roles and trying to avoid interaction, it's a shame because then that's a story that we don't ever get to hear, right? Yeah. So it would be important that that as long as people want to share their story, that there is an outlet to share that story. And and I can actually relate to that. And I think you see certain jobs and you think, oh wow, that would be absolutely amazing. But like some people may go, mm, I'm not really sure because it requires like client mm-hmm. facing, or like it means that I have to be be on my phone before I start to like selling. And but actually a role's a role like you can do that you do lots of the stuff you are afraid of doing a job in like every single day like picking up the phone having a conversation you're doing that every single day so why is it different but also mm-hmm. embrace it uh, and there's this person from Nepal who I talked to who's finished uni six years ago and he's not been able to get a job because of his stammer and every job that he's applied to requires fluency and he's found it really tough and he's found it really demoralizing and he's like I hate my stomach I hate it it's not getting me a job and I was like but you shouldn't let your stomach get to you so I don't think about the negatives and don't think about your stomach for the job does think does the less you think about your stomach like in everything the less you think about it the more you're less likely to do it so if you're nervous about a meeting the less nervous, the less you think about a meeting, the less nervous you'll be because it's sort of more at the time. And he was saying, I've not been able to get a job. It's really tough. And I said, don't think about yourself. Don't mention that you've got your stammer. It may sound terrifying, but mention it and talk about it. And I think having the, having the community aspect and sort of linking back into like helping each other out, like we're always a big community in every single company. And what I loved was that you made it clear, saying that I'm not the only coach who can help you. It was like, if I'm away, you can contact X coach and they'll be able to help you. Like, mm-hmm. knowing that there's not only one person you can go to, it's comfortable for you to talk to someone else and just knowing you've got that security 
there, and I think people sort of forget the, the, the community aspect, the sort of team hard work, because I think there's still that office stigma as well, like everyone's sort of like put down this pressure to be the best person you are, but actually the more unique you are to yourself, the better a person you will be. Yeah. And and now we sort of spoken about the stigma and the topic, but I've actually got a quick question. So when I've spoken to you, you are from the US and I've actually had a few people from the US and they always call Stammer Stutter. Mm-hmm. And, and you've been, have you been saying Stammer because of me and this recording? So would you normally say Stammer? Well, I've stutter? been saying Stammer since I've known you, right? Because I've been here for yeah. nine years. But yeah, we would we would call it a stutter in the States. Um, and it's when you taught me the, the, the UK English uh, word for it that I, I started using stammer yeah see what I was thinking about is that some people they still refer to it as stutter but also like some English people refer to it as stutter and I when I said to a speech therapist what is a medical difference between stammering and stuttering they just said no it's just the it's just how different language, languages pronounce it and are you aware of, of like any you may not be but like any like stammering support groups and like the US like any like support networks for like people with stammer in like the US or yeah we um my my scope's a little bit limited because you got to keep in mind I was there when I was like 20 um so it's been quite some time but when I was at university there were groups um that were kind of like on-campus clubs for for different things like that and there was one at the time. So even by the time I was in uni, it's good. It was definitely much more recognized and, and accepted. And so there was a, a lovely kind of community around that. Um, I, but what's interesting is I don't really recall there being one in high school or any younger than that. So I don't, I don't remember. Obviously, we had students who were mixed in with us, um, but we also had a separate kind of class for those with extra um, needs and I remember it being quite separated from the rest of us like we didn't really mix with many people in the additional learning needs group and you know we would see them at events but um, there wasn't a lot of social interaction so you know on reflection you asking me that question it's interesting that when I went to university that that made its way into a group of communities but not any earlier than that for me wow and and i think you're right like how like school college like the piece says so we have like how like additional needs you would be in like a separate class like my schools people are net with learning difficulties mm-hmm. or, like some schools like you have grades in like certain years of like what level if you needed extra support and, and like at college like i i still had like extra support and during the apprenticeship it, it was the first time in education where I've never been sort of like, here you go. Like, it's like normal coach, normal apprentice. Like, it's never felt like, because like before I've always had like someone who's been specifically like specialised yeah. in like someone with neurodiversity or like, it, so it's always been a specialised person who I've always been assigned to. And yeah. it was the first time that I've actually been, you know, that doesn't matter and like the semi recruitment team when I said oh I've got a few and diverted 
they they literally just like okay was like so you're happy with us mentioning that was like yeah if that yeah I'm like what you don't realize is that this will actually help you like I, I think people living in diversity and like we're standing there I don't think they realize how much mentioning it will help you help support you within the process because mm-hmm. actually the company will want to support you better like the job interview it's always key to like, mention it early on and like still then we did like big course groups like when we go into the office like no one's ever separated because of their their yeah. needs which I think is always such a key aspect especially for like young people as well to look and still like going into the workplace like workplace you're all as one team and I still try to separate people from different areas I think it's especially when it makes more sense to people when they're older as well have you noticed that as well so tell me your question again have I noticed that in in older people that it's well does people are now more comfortable with like mentioning it like, do you see more people like, because I was having a conversation with Channel 4 and they were saying that one of the biggest questions in like from a business aspect is people taking that tick box saying, I, I have additional, uh, and it's like, does neurodiversity come under, mm-hmm. I have a disability, or like, mm-hmm. would you feel comfortable taking that tick box? Yeah, that's a great question. I. It's hard for me to say because I don't have one myself, so I'm not too quick to generalize if that's happened. But what I will say is that I I've been hiring for quite a long time. So I've been involved in in hiring others for almost 10 years. And it's something that I see people disclosing much more comfortably now than ever before. And I don't know if that's a byproduct of obviously the world that I work in right now is one which is very um, inclusive and, and accommodating or if actually the society as a whole has become like this, but it's definitely an improvement. And um, whereas before, I think, as you said about, um, you know, someone you spoke to earlier, there was a stigma attached to it and there's always a fear of will I be discriminated against or or penalized for my stammer um, or any other neurodiversity and I feel like if that does happen to people then that's just not even a company to want to work for or be a part of Um, a company filled with with kind of like-minded and great people in that sense would see that as okay that's a, that's a thing you have in the same way that you know I I could have anything as well that um ends up making me more successful or less successful more confident less confident um I think what's interesting well that you mentioned is it wasn't really an issue and what's what's interesting for me is that I am not a specialist in yeah. additional learning needs right but we still were able to have a really successful kind of working relationship there and so I guess that begs the question for me, which is, did you feel, do, do you feel like there needs to be a level of specialist support um, for those with the stammer for, for you yourself? And if so, at what points of life do you think that it's most crucial? And then the opposite is you might not think it's necessary at all, but I'd be interested in hearing uh, your your kind of perspective. That's a very good question. And I think... So, so I think the biggest thing is like the wording of it and I think this person is as best like 
is says especially trained in like this aspect or but also it's just that reassurance so like now I was talking to someone who was saying that sometimes so if you've got a child with learning difficulties during school it's the the older teachers who've been there for a few years they're harder to acknowledge like the additional needs and like the edge like mm. in schools but actually the newer teachers who are going through the latest profile profiles they're being trained on like different neurodiversities and like it's really interesting to see that aspect of it how yeah. like, now it's being covered and I think some things have haven't been changed in years and it's like you can't really change certain things but it's like having that reassurance of going oh don't worry this teacher is aware and understands how like your my your brain may work and I think that I said to you when we first working I was like the only thing for you to really know is that I'm a very methodical thinker and like mm-hmm. if there's a change to my routine you're guaranteed a phone call for me basically like never what's going on in my routine help but also yeah just you like that, structure yeah very much so but I think it's having that like everyone in your neurodiversity has a different area that's also their superpower like their creative aspect and I think the company is not just to see that that person hasn't worked, worked that email badly because they don't know how to spell. It's because they can't spell because of having dyslexia. And it's like they're aware of like the situation of why like the feedback or they may be disadvantaged in their workplace because like they may have done so without sort of realizing that they've done it because of their neurodiversity. But I think in like the school area and like what you may not know is that when you have speech therapy, you get childhood speech therapy, and then when you get to secondary school, it stops. So you're not you like there's no funding for teenagers in secondary school speech therapy, unless you go private, and then there's sort of more young adult speech therapy out there available, like from sixteen or like fifteen to plus. But there's that middle period where actually that's a young person's most key area of like growing up so but also that's a prime bullying so mm-hmm. people are now understanding more and I think that aspect as well is where the needs where the support is lacking I think there needs to be more specialities in that mm-hmm. specific area that's really interesting do you feel like by the time you got to your apprenticeship did it actually help you to have sessions with your other colleagues and the other apprentices yeah. where we weren't focusing on specific needs per se, but you yeah. were kind of, you know, you were learning socially, if you will. Yeah, definitely. And I think you learn every single day. And like during the apprenticeship experience, like I say this every single time I basically talk about multiverse or my apprenticeship. So it is a journey. You do mm-hmm. learn every step along the way. And like you can see your first time, your first piece of coursework, and like you're still sort of learning about the company. And then your last piece of coursework, like your project where you fully understood like the team, but also how you've changed as a person. Mm-hmm. So it's like you need because and when I was in my apprenticeship, I was part of a growth, like being sort of boom, the initial boom. And that was interesting for me, seeing that actually this is a growing up, this is a good opportunity for me to grow myself because I'm with other young people. And I think apprenticeships, when I was talking about apprentices like schools, and I think apprenticeships have that 
have the urban stigma, the urban myth, and like you have to go to college one day where you get paid minimum wage and like you can only do like manual labor or anything. So we all know now that's not the case. And I think talking about that stigma, I think one of the biggest things was the the social aspect. So I think people think, oh, you're going to work, you do your course, but that's it. But actually, the support community, which I was talking to Jeff mentioned about, is that it's not just social events. So you got keynote speeches by different people and at like different levels of a business yeah. and I think that aspect but also they got different networks so we got the new diversity network for apprentices which is just incredible like seeing that support group out there and I think seeing from that aspect like from when we started like doing community events or, like going to certain things like now if we had the sign-ups of the community events that we did during my apprenticeship, that would be a less than a quarter of the size to be turn-ups now. And I think having that support network was really key for me, knowing that actually this is here, but also what I've learned is that the multiverse staff never say no. Well, they always say yes to encourage you. And I think that's always such a key thing because they see the growth in you and I think they don't and I normally you may go oh I'm not really sure but let's try it like when I was near the beginning I was like welcome to let's talk to you and Blair and then Sophie who are the founders of Multiverse so I was like we'll possibly shut down straight away from this idea Charlotte from the community respond back saying yeah we can do this I was like oh okay but I think it's just that support and the encouragement and something you can see in the apprentices as well. It's like you were saying like how much joy you get in like seeing your apprentices like grow in their career. Yeah, absolutely. So I know I know we've talked about positives, but sadly I need to bring bring the mood down a bit. So if you don't know this, but over 27% of Brits think it's okay to make fun of someone with stammer. Does that stat surprise you, or can you believe it? I cannot believe it. That that's crazy. Um, I don't think it's okay to make fun of anyone for anything, to be honest. Um, no. so that's an incredibly specific stat, and definitely an alarming one. Yeah, and and it's much higher than you expected to be. And mm. when you think about it, it is still sadly one of the only disabilities that people laugh at comfortably it's like why are you laughing at the way someone's speaking and it's not that nice but also there's that stigma of like we said going out into public and like we stammer I've had people like roll their eyes if I've been up when I've stammered saying like what or like in a restaurant like sometimes I have chosen something that I've not really wanted because the thing that I wanted I know that I wouldn't be able to say and wasn't really thinking how would they react if I say it or it's like in a team meeting I would want to ask a question but actually I never answered it or by the time I had encouraged myself to do it but if you saw someone so if you were in in prep you saw someone the stammer going up to order and you saw the barista sort of saying oh come on hurry up or basically making a gesture that their stammer was sort of annoying them what would you do in that situation unfortunately i'm quite vocal my partner um 
said this is number one fear is that I'm sometimes a bit too vocal for my own good. Um, I think it depends. If I definitely saw it happening, then I would, I'd feel very inclined to say something. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, it doesn't really depend. <laughs> if I saw it happening, I would be inclined to say something. Um, so, and I don't, I don't quite know what the, the right course of action is when you're out in public. Um, but it's certainly something that, you know, I feel very strongly to preempt in my team. Like I feel a responsibility to create an environment where people feel like they can bring their whole selves and, um, you know, something where, where we feel the need to hide ourselves that would be something that would just not lend the inclusivity i'd like to have so yeah i i feel like if i was in public i would definitely say something and in the remit of my team i would do everything in my power to facilitate an environment where that doesn't even come up in the first place would you talk to both both parties so would you who would you would you talk would you go to the person who was doing it first and then go to me? Because as you remember, as you may remember, I mentioned a situation in every podcast, but it's one of the a situations that people know about when I went for this tube station. And actually, I think I had just seen you or I was seeing you the next day. And I was at Bake Street tube station. And if you know Bake Street, many, many platforms, I got lost. And then I asked for help they they gave me bad instructions went back and then I asked help because I was in a rush I was quite anxious and my stammers is bad when I'm anxious they rolled their eyes when I stammered but also they told me to f off um because he had already told me once and I was quite distressed and quite embarrassed because of the whole situation and the people around me no one came up to me after but also TFL did nothing about the claim at all. I tried to make a complaint. They didn't even refund my ticket. And I think, and that was only three years ago, because I think people oh, people wouldn't do that now, but actually it still happens. And I think, but also like, if it did happen, would you be, because I think when stuff like that happens, it's a setback because you feel like, oh, I went ask for help again, in like a shock if, if, if something goes on. Or some role does for this because like rolling their eyes, so like you can you can show what you're thinking just by doing the littlest emotion at all. And like people when they're aware of that situation, they know every single sign to look out for. And yeah. I think those are scary situations, but I've never had any situation within multiverse or like any or any apprenticeship like events. Where that's happening because you feel safe, you feel supported. That's a thing. Yeah. Sadly, it does happen, which is quite a scary, scary stigma. And I think people would sort of be afraid of pushing themselves in, you know, a social event or, you know, because they're just in fear of like they may get laughed at or, and sometimes when I see a meme, I think, so if I see a helicopter going, I'm like, I know exactly where this is going. I mean, it's just someone stammering straight off the helicopter. And I just know, I'm like, that is not, but also because it's not spoken about enough, there's no leg to stand on because people are like, oh, it's just a joke. 
And it's like, is it like there are actually a few comedians who stammer? Like it's different when you're laughing with a person who stammers and talking about the subject. But I think it's still like with lots of other diversities, laughing about it on another matter is a whole different situation than laughing about it with someone who's going through it. Yeah. I've actually got a question for you, which I ask all my guests, but I don't give you notice beforehand. When you think of someone famous who stammers, who do you think of? Wow, that's a great but not great question because my mind instantly went to the King's Speech and obviously Colin Firth does not have a stammer himself, but he played someone who did and then I go, well, it's the King who yeah. did. Um, I wouldn't be able to, to pinpoint one right now where I can tell they have a stammer off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, I... Nero, I like the way you went with that. Shall I name some names that may surprise you? Yeah, go Unless, on. But some you will know, like Joe Biden, he's got his stammer. I do. I, you know what? I should have known that one <laughs> because I had definitely, there was a post that came out when, when Joe Biden became president and um, someone was making a comment about Joe Stetter and I posted about it and was like this is absolutely not acceptable yeah. so i really i should have remembered that one um yeah i'm obviously too wrapped up in british politics these yeah. days to remember my own home well, country here's one that confuses everyone Mar marilyn monroe her famous breathy tones were her coping mechanisms for her stammer wow. this is renette sheeran elvis presley stormzy but actually, there, there's one which I absolutely love that no one really notices. And this has gone straight out of my head. I'm trying to get my brain. Um, I remember there's lots of people like James L. Jones, Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. He has one. Richard Branson. Yeah. He's wow. a neuro, neuro, neurodiversity god. He's got dyslexia. He's got a stammer. But and also he genius. champions it. <laughs> yeah, and he champions it. Yeah. But there's so many people that which I think like Nicole Kidman, no one really expects it because they may have had it. And like Veron Atkinson, he got put declined from a different acting jobs because of his stammer when he created Mr. Bean, which is a non-speaking um character. And you look at how well that's done and how well it's still doing now. Mm -hmm. And that was his sort of stammering things but to round up this lovely episode i've got one final question with you because i know me and you we could talk for a very long time over hours and hours and many people that we spend a whole year every single week coming here having a chat so you think try, trying to cram cram all my questions in for neda in in a recording it's my heart. so my last question is if you could give three pieces of advice to someone who stands but also three pieces of advice to someone who doesn't stammer, what they be? Love that one. So I'll start with those who don't have a stammer because that's an easier territory for me. Three pieces of advice I would give is be curious. I think that's really important. Um, I, I, you know, part of the success of us working together 
was, um, and not to toot my horn, but I was very curious and didn't assume I knew how to support you. Yeah. I think when you assume you know how to support someone, there's almost like an ego piece there that says, I know the best about everything. Um, but that's just not the case with, with someone with an additional need in any domain. And by asking the questions, like, what can I do to support you? You were able to give me a lot of clarity and that was something I could show up as. So advice number one would be to be curious. Um, advice number two is to listen, to understand, not listen, to respond. And that means being patient, particularly when someone's trying to get their words out. Um, you know, we've had moments, Will, where, where, you know, maybe even at the beginning, your stammer was a little bit more noticeable when we would speak. And once we would be in situations where you were very comfortable, it would ease a little bit. Yeah. There were times where I remember you were practicing your presentation and it was coming out here and there a bit more. It was important for me to kind of not assume what was going on in your head at the time and just let you explain to me and listen to understand, even if it meant that it would take a little bit longer. Um, I think as soon as you start listening to respond and you're not really hearing the story. And again, it goes back to that ego thing. So that would be my second piece of advice. And my third one, which I feel like is so obvious, I don't want to give it as a piece of advice, but it just needs to be said is you should just be kind. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't know what your story is, but if someone has a stammer and they're making an effort to speak to you, that's already them showing a part of their story because they're comfortable enough to do that. And I think when you don't have a stammer like myself, there's other parts of my life that I can conceal quite well. And it's almost the brave thing to, to be able to share that, right? But when, yeah. when I can conceal it, why should I share it? So if somebody is making an effort with their stammer to speak to you, they are vulnerably sharing their story in a way without having to explicitly say it. It's, it's quite obvious and it's there. Um, I think people need to be kind. And I hate using that as a cop-out piece of advice, but it just needs to be said, especially yeah. when you've said 27% of people think it's okay. Um, that's a crazy statistic. So that would round out my advice to those without a stammer. I'm going to use you as a model example of all the things to do if you do have a stammer, which is one, if you do trust the person in front of you, or if you know it's something that's going to help you be more successful or help those around you be more successful, then my first piece of advice is to voice it um, and to, to communicate, look, this is what it looks like. Here's the times that you won't see much of it. Here's times where you might see more of it. And, you know, here's here's what I need to be supported. Now, what's funny is, well, you say that you need a lot of structure. And actually, I purposely didn't give you a lot of structure. Yeah, I gave you structure where you thought you needed it. But I also knew that by you saying that you need it, that, that that's kind of almost putting you into a a box where anything that looked different from that was going to deter you. And I didn't immediately, again, this comes back to being curious and not making assumptions. I didn't immediately push you here and there around those yeah. edges of the box. But as we got to know each other better, I tried to challenge you a little bit and give you more ambiguity and make you feel a little bit of uncomfortable in times. Yeah. 
so that you could show yourself that you can overcome it and you don't need those things to be successful. It's about getting that balance right. But I think it does very much start with having enough trust there and having that relationship where you can say, this is what I need. This is how I feel supported. I think the other second piece of advice I would give then is to, it's hard to to give someone advice when you aren't living with it, right? But one thing I would encourage someone with a stammer to do is to find a core group of people that they trust. Um, I think that goes for everyone. Having a community is really important, but particularly from what you've told me, having a group of people you trust means that you can be a little more authentic and vulnerable and it doesn't impact you. It makes you happy. Um, and so I, I think community is very important. Having people that you can trust and go to is very important. The last one, again, sort of a cop-out one, but I feel like I have to say it's just be yourself. It really doesn't do anything for anyone else's life to try and be something inauthentic. Yeah. The only life it impacts is your own. The only person it impacts is you. And so it's about being able to embrace those pieces, obviously at the time that you feel comfortable and wherever in that journey that is, that looks different for everyone. But it's important to be yourself because otherwise you're wasting a lot of your own life that you could enjoy yourself and be happy trying to make other people happy. And I think something I've learned as you get older in life is that no one really cares too much about what's outside of their own bubble. Um, we all do our best, but we have so much going on. No one's really thinking about everyone else. So we've got to remember that and remember, like, at the end of the day, are we happy with ourselves? Um, you know, can we go to bed at night with a, a good conscience? So, yeah, that would be my third piece. Be yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Love pieces of advice. And one, one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is this hearing everyone's advice is completely different but they all mean the same thing mm. uh, how and it sort of just shows that no one i mean especially talking to people who don't stand because i think one of the key aspects for me is talking to people who don't stand is to show that no one really cares and i think it, it so it's your head that's just making it much bigger and, and i think and actually no one really cares but also People are curious about it. People want to know. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting how you say that you were curious and like you, because I, I could tell that because you were very comfortable, because you knew how comfortable I was talking about it, you were very comfortable with asking me questions saying, do you really need this extra support? How will it benefit you? But also, will this course work? Was like, how can we make this course work more tailored mm -hmm. to the way that you work? And I think you always gave, I think it's always key to give people options on the best way of working themselves rather than giving them a set way of doing things. They can give the same recipe to five different people, but actually everyone, will, all those people will do that recipe in a completely different way. And, and I think give that person an option of a way, how to do that one task, but give them an option of how to do it. Because I think you've before said, you can either do like this or like that, but I think doing it this way will tailor you but, and push yourself more doing it this way than doing it the safer option because you always was like yeah you're choosing the safer option aren't you and like you would always push me but and then this is going to get quite sloppy but I do always say is that Neda is one of the key people and it has helped 
changed me as a person because she's seen me potential but also she understood me from day one and I think mm-hmm. and everyone needs a letter oh well um, everyone needs a will <laughs> and but literally so if you could see one in letters bond in person like you would think that she wasn't like her like she like she she's a very close friend of mine is you build that bond with, with your coach and I think yeah, I I because in many words I'm multiverse about multiverse and um and it doesn't paragraphs about nether, but it is just key that relationships make and having trust in those relationships if it's in work or if it's with friends or with family, having that trust in in relationships can make such a difference. So thank you so much for coming on to this to a podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you about this today as well. I think we we did a lot of it in real time, yeah. but we've never actually sat and reflected about it and, and thought about it. And it's really good to know that it meant so much to you because it meant a lot to me too. Um, and I think the thing I'm most proud of is seeing you thrive. I actually can't wait to have you as my manager one day. I'm sure that's what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, you've been you've been just going from strength to strength, Will, and seeing you succeed is a huge win, even years after we we've been working together. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You. Everyone does need a will in their life. Um, and I'm very glad, very honored to have been the Netta in your life. Thank you. And thank you so much to our, to our listeners who are listening to this episode today. It's, it's been great having Ned on, but also we've got many other exciting guests coming onto the podcast. We've also got a possibility of a live podcast event in October around International Stumbling Wednesday. So make sure to keep an eye out. I will be including the link to my TEDx called My Stammer is My Superpower. But also make sure to follow our, our Instagram and Twitter where we post updating facts and updates about our upcoming guests but also follow our tiktok where we've got everyday situations of life with stammer and also other fun content but also we've got this facebook community which is for people who stammer to talk to other people who stammer from around the world so make sure to join that and i hope to see you next time in two weeks listen to our next episode thanks bye